0: This podcast is brought to you by Pamela Mitchell, the author of a new book entitled The 10 Laws of Career Reinvention. Please listen to podcast number 746 where Pamela and Greg speak about what is required to reinvent yourself to be a better candidate for potential employers career reinvention is simple but it's not easy it requires you to focus on the vision of your future and be really clear about what it is you want if you are in the middle of a personal career reinvention then you will want to listen to podcast number 746 where Pamela Mitchell the author of the 10 laws of career reinvention speaks about what you can do to better prepare for your next big transition for more information about Pamela please visit visit www.reinvention-institute.com. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And we have Anise Kavanaugh with us, and we're going to be speaking with her this morning from Northern California up near Sacramento, a little city that she lives by there, about her new book called Contagious You, unlock your power to influence, lead, and create the impact you want. Uh, good day to you, Anise. How are you doing?
2: Good day, Greg. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I appreciate you being on and I appreciate you because this book, it definitely takes a different uh, viewpoint about how we can unlock this power and influence. And it really comes from, I think, an area where people need to be more um, inclusive of, and that is spirituality in the workplace. And you certainly do bring that in. And I'm going to let my listeners know about about you. Anise is devoted to helping people show up and bring their best selves to the table in order to create significant, positive impact in their lives and organizations while feeling good doing so. She's the creator, and we're going to be speaking about this, of the IEP method, Intentional Energetic Presence, an advisor and thinking partner to leaders and organizations around the world. She's also the author of a book called Contagious Culture, Show Up, Set the Tone, and Intentionally Create an Organization That Thrives. We'll put a link to that in the blog as well. As well as The Leader You Will Be, and that's another book. And you're going to have a link to her website as well. She's also leading voice and intention, energy, and presence in leadership and culture. She helps people unlock potential, collaborate more inspiringly, inspiringly create more openly, intuit more bravely, and lead more joyfully and effectively. She's worked with some very big companies, uh, GM Financial, Print, 15.5, Fitbit, Kaiser, and many more. She's been quoted in Harvard Business Review and Huffington Post. Um, she's been on a lot of different shows. So go to her website, which is a phenomenal website, and you can just get there at uh, Anise Cavanaugh. That's A-N-E-S-E-C-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H.com. You're going to find about her books, her method, engaging with her, her workshops. It's really a phenomenal website. Well, Anise, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show, uh, taking this time with our listeners. You know, you, you speak right on the right in the introduction of your book about being authentic, sustainable employee engagement. And I've never heard those words, words strung together like that. Um, mm-hmm. And how would you define an employee that really is authentic, that can sustain that authenticity? And keep the high-level engagement that you talk about, which is this contagious you.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thanks again for your kind words, and also, again, for having me for this conversation. Uh, and I love, I love this question. I think that, to me, there are five components when I look at that um, in terms of what's an authentic, sustainable, and engaged employee. And the five components would be uh, they're present, so they're actually here, present in the moment. They're connected to what's important to them. They're very connected to like what's important to them, family, why they're doing the work they're doing, um, you know, the legacy that they want to create in their role. They honor their yes and their no. They're not afraid to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. Uh, Let's see, they take really good care of themselves. This is an important part of being sustainable and also authentic and engaged. And I think one of the biggest things, Greg, and all of these are super important. One of the biggest things is they are in service of So they're very much connected to contributing and being in service of the people around them, the work that they're doing and each other.
1: Well, that, that is a lot. And it's also, uh, some of it is as you say learned and some of it is Mm -hmm. part of just the spiritual presence that I think someone brings in. And if they work Mm -hmm. on that, whether it's through body work or yoga, meditation, any of those things, which which I think you and I are on the same track on that, yeah. um, you know, they literally can start to, to change. I say the DNA of their body, and I, like most of our listeners, have this sense of energetic presence. You even mentioned it. You said, "Oh, when you first got on, you really have a great presence." And I said, mm-hmm. "What we bring into a room is so important." What advice do you have for people who to who would like to become? more authentic, and to express this energetic presence more fully, what single or three or four things could you tell them that would really say, hey, this is something that I could work on?
2: Oh, absolutely. So the first thing, it always boils down to awareness for me. So just even having that intention of, hey, I want to bring a more uh, you know, solid or authentic or whatever it might be, energetic presence into this room. That awareness and that intention is the first place to start. Uh, the next thing to do is just to, when you're walking into a room, to notice how you feel and then to also notice your impact, how people are responding to you. So, if you're walking into rooms and you're feeling contracted and kind of like you want to hide out and really tense and whatever it might be, that's a really good sign. If you're walking into rooms and you feel really open and real and present, that's a good sign. And then, same thing with how people respond. If you're in a room and you're leading a meeting or even speaking, sharing a point, And people are not responding in a way that's present and engaged. There's something in there for you to look at in terms of, well, how am I showing up? And what is the energy I'm bringing to the table right now?
1: So let me ask this question. Um, You know, I wrote a book, uh, Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Beyond. And I did a lot of research on intuition. And I know you've got an answer for this one you know i think we pick up when we can start to use the various forms that we can get in touch with that intuition how would you tell people to actually tap into that so they can get the feeling of not only what's going on with them but with others
2: mm, mm i love that question uh i to me Craig, that that's about awareness and presence and practice you know and trusting i think that our intuition is always speaking to us. I I have a thing where, you know, I think that um, intuition is always right. Our interpretation is sometimes wrong. So when we're wanting to pay more attention to how we're feeling and how others are feeling around us, if we can start to really be present to what is here and then listen to that intuition, um, the more we practice it and honor it, the stronger that becomes.
1: Yeah, it's discernment. Um, and it's also something that I think people have an expectation when they start playing with it and really get in touch with it, that it's, it's a download all at once. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, intuition comes in pieces. It also comes in mm-hmm. signs and symbols. Um, it's mm-hmm. what you observe when you walk into the room. Uh, it's what you observe while you're driving your car or anything or listening to music. Oh. And so yeah. knowing that you're getting these signs and symbols and being aware of it is really important. And you stated the, ra- the root of contagiousness are intentions, energy, and presence, and what you call intentional energetic presence. Just that, those three words together are very powerful. What are some of the questions, and you have them in the book, that we should be asking ourselves to upgrade our own contagiousness?
2: Mm. Well, there's, there's several frameworks I offer, I offer in the book and several sets of questions to, um, to really start to explore this one. And I think, I think the five magic questions are, are kind of the quickest ones that people will probably be able to tap into the most quickly listening to this. And so the first one is, um, am I having the impact I want to have? The second is, am I feeling the way I want to feel? The third is, uh, do people follow me because they want to or because they have to? The fourth is uh, what kind of a uh, culture am I actually creating with my contagiousness? You know, what is it that I'm creating around me by how I'm showing up? And the fifth one uh, is is an interesting one because it ties into values. And it's how am I honoring my values? Am I in alignment with my values? Because being in integrity with ourselves and being in alignment that actually is to me one of the most powerful one of the most powerful things we can bring as a leader to our contagiousness is that alignment.
1: Yeah, and it takes work to understand what those values are. You really have to do yeah. some introspection. And I know that you give people opportunities throughout this book uh to to get introspective, to question. And I, that's what I loved about the book. You also tell some great stories and we'll be getting to a couple of those. But you have three parts to this IEP method. Um, will you share with our listeners this methodology um, that you've created with the IEP?
2: Of course. So the first part is simply the ability to reboot your presence in the moment. So it's it's the ability at any moment to reboot. Um, I call it bubbling up and just getting here right now and shifting however I need to shift in service of what's going on around me. So first one is reboot your presence, and I offer the formula and the five-step formula for that in the book. Uh, The second part of the methodology is the ability to build a very strong energetic field and foundation, which really, Greg, boils down to your self-care, your self-talk, you know, who you surround yourself with, how you think about things. There's an, you know, I think there's a couple of chapters that are devoted really to building that energetic foundation. And then the third component is the ability to actually create intentional impact. And there's a um, five-step framework for the five steps to creating intentional impact because that one it's interesting if you do the first two steps that are the first two components of the methodology it makes that third one uh, a lot easier because here's what happens is we are always having an impact no matter what and so we might as well be intentional about it so if you put yourself into those five steps all of a sudden new things come become present that allow us to look at all right actually that's not the intention i had i actually want to create this kind of impact so reboot your presence build a strong field and create intentional impact three parts
1: so in the presence of the moment what would you tell our listeners who are attempting to make that happen meaning they have a strong intention about bringing the best presence the best contagiousness to the room but for some reason, they're not able to stay focused, they're distracted, they're caught off guard, um, something happens that upsets them emotionally, uh, a comment, a statement, um, how would you have them reboot in that, in that emotional moment when, you know, something just goes, hey, where, and they lose it, they could lose it internally or they could lose it externally just by what they mm-hmm. say. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you help somebody like that kind of reboot? Uh,
2: Stop and breathe. That's it. That's the first step of that is uh, to realize that you're flooded or being triggered or whatever's going on for you to stop for a moment, take a pause and take a nice deep breath so that you can get your bearings to start to decide how you want to respond. So people take, I think, Breath is taken so for granted. Uh, And to me, breath and presence, like that is home base for everything. So that would be the first thing. Stop and breathe and then we can go further if you'd like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that one is a great way to create awareness, right? It's like, okay, here I am in this moment. It's like doing your yoga breaths uh, before you start into meditation. A couple of deep ones in and out. And I think that's great. It recenters you. Now, if they're, let's take it just one step further. All right. Right. I'm aware now. All right. Mm -hmm. And I allowed my emotions to take over. Right. And Mm -hmm. I said something wrong. How would they reframe their whole situation to get their presence back and the presence of others because they had an effect on others?
2: Great. Okay. So, so third, the the other piece of that, then in that same moment of stopping and breathing, I would invite them to what I call bubbling up, which is remembering that they have their own space. And a lot of times when I talk about this in the book and, and how you actually do it, but a lot of times it really helps people to just imagine or just to know they have their own space all the way around them. It is their space. And when we bubble up, we get to decide what gets in and what gets out. So just remembering I have my own space, that in itself is going to give me more authority with my next step. So then if I want to either clean up what just happened with the room or just clean it up internally, that's where going, okay, wow, let me honor this. So I'm really triggered right now. And this happens quickly, but quick questions are, okay, I'm really triggered right now. What just got triggered? What, uh, where did I just mess up? Oh, wow, I really lost my temper just now. Can I be kind to myself? Because in the moment when I've just, if, 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 if I've just lost my temper, lost my composure in the room, if in that moment I am present enough to realize that and I start to beat myself up for it, I am even less present and my energy is going to be even worse. So instead, it's my job and my opportunity as leader in that moment to go, okay, wow, just lost my composure, just lost my temper, stop, breathe, bubble up. Okay, what just happened for me and what is my next move? And, oh, by the way, I you just got really upset, this must mean there's something very important. So later today, I'm going to go ahead and get this addressed. I'm going to go talk to somebody about why I got so triggered. So I'm taking care of myself in that moment. Now, with the room, if I really just messed it up, I'm going to name that and say, hey, guys, you know what? I apologize. I just lost my composure. Or the way that I just framed that, that was not the impact I intended to have. Can We reboot and start over. This is my intention behind why that just happened. Or This is why uh, I got so upset about this. This means very much to me in the company or whatever it might be. So I'm going to name it.
1: Well, I appreciate the advice. And I think the cleansing that you're offering there is almost like taking a shower, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You also Mm -hmm. can, you know, go back to the days of uh, uh, neurolinguistic programming with Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. where he would use the rubber bands on his wrist, right? And and Mm -hmm. the wrist. So it's a way to bring awareness to it. And I love that. And you state that awareness is power, that you want people to know that they are right now and assess the patterns. And you look, Mm -hmm. there are good patterns and there are bad patterns that people get into, um, obviously. And when we watch these patterns, if we can observe them from a higher self, we realize that many of those patterns don't serve. How would you Mm -hmm. help someone to do this assessment of, you know, knowing they're aware, looking at these patterns and themes
2: and what they can do to shift them. Great. Well, so to me, 70% of this work is awareness. Once once we've got awareness, we're we're more than halfway there because without awareness, we sit in struggle and we get stuck and it's just not a lot of fun. As soon as we have awareness that we've got a pattern or that we're not showing us the way we want to show up or we're not creating the results we want to create, As soon as I have that awareness, I am now in a place of choice where I get to shift it, which means I have all my power back. So the other 30% is what I'm actually going to do with it, which is where you're looking at with the assessments. And there are a lot of different ways to assess where where you're at. In the book, there's an entire chapter devoted simply to assessing both from an internal perspective in different realms and then also having um, your team or somebody you really trust and care about look at what they see is happening for you. So, I'd invite people to look at that. I think that the other piece of this is I even without any official assessment, I think if you're noticing that there is something that continues to trigger you, you know, like it's conflict or somebody's late or whatever is happening outside of yourself that is a trigger. Anytime you're getting triggered and agitated about something, it's a gift because it's pointing us towards a place that we need to do either some energetic hygiene hygiene in some healing or actually redesigning of boundaries, so that awareness again, if we can look at it as wow, I've got some patterns, some are really great, some are not serving me, oh my gosh, the ones that aren't serving me. I'm so excited this is such a gift because now I can actually do something about them. that would be my first invitation
1: it is uh, perspective. it is the wisdom of somebody like yourself who's been through it great wisdom, everybody listen. To what she just said, because that's a great way to catch yourself and reassess. And you don't need an assessment form out of her book to do that. You need mm-hmm. to be aware. Uh, and once you're aware and you have a state of mind, you can assess the situation. So you state that our contagiousness or lack thereof is what I would say is costing us. Um, what do you believe the costs are of being negative or being Debbie Downer?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think we can boil that down to financial costs and we can boil that down to costs on our health, sleep, um, our peace, uh, time with our family. We can boil it down to, um, let's see, our well-being, innovation and risk-taking. I think that being negatively contagious or Debbie Downer or having a negative energetic presence, I think that we can look anybody listening to this you know, like, you and I both, Greg, we can look at places in our lives where negative energy and not doing anything to shift it is having a cost. And I've done, I know in Contagious Culture, my first book, I actually did a process and a formula where people could figure out how much money it was costing because people always want to know, well, what's 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 the hard stuff? You know, like, how much money is it actually costing your team to be negative or to have low energy or to not be present and you can actually there's a formula there where you actually just take the average billable rate of each person on your team you multiply it by I always say like a couple of hours to account for the meeting and then the gossip that happens after the meeting and the time that they spend complaining at home that night you multiply that and then you multiply that times lost opportunity and then you have you have a a pretty significant price tag
1: that, so well, there is. Financial. And, yeah. I, and I think that, you know, a good example, I'm just going to use this because I happened to be at a concert the other night and the gentleman travels a lot and he travels internationally and and he, domestically. And he says, have mm-hmm. anybody out there noticed how angry the people are in the plane in a lot of the planes domestically. Whereas if you go on an international flag, Lufthansa or whatever, Oh, they're also gracious. They want to help mm-hmm. you get with anything. And he said, you know, I hate flying domestically. Um, because Mm -hmm. the treatment here is like, well, you you know, you don't deserve this service or whatever. And I think in a business, especially, you know, let's take this back to the cost of a business of this contagiousness. If those Mm -hmm. stewards and stewardesses are not contagious in a Mm -hmm. sense that, and I'm just pointing out one industry because Herb Kelleher was great at this. this is why Southwest put the love thing on the back of the plane. And -hmm. and helped the culture of the company be about, you know, we love our customers, we love our employees. And I think love is so important. And you've got to bring that love to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and being down at work is a very expensive cost to anybody. Now you have a great story in the book. I think this is about the one about Matt, Mm -hmm. the director who Mm -hmm. hired you to really get at the heart of what was helping uh, identify the challenges in their lives. Um, can you share that story? Because you have lots of stories in the book, but this one in particular was one that I think gets at the heart kind of of your book. It tells, you know, mm-hmm. why you wanted to write this book. Um, and I think it's a good grounding point for our listeners.
2: Mm. Okay, Matt, which is not his real name, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Matt. <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, so Matt was a director in his company, and he was. He is still uh, super smart, incredibly talented, really good, great background, uh, great credentials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he had hired me to come in and work with him. He wanted to get promoted to um, actually not just the next level, but two levels up. And he had come to me and he had asked, um, he wanted to work on his leadership presence and credibility and just general building, you know, trust with the team. So great. So I looked at it. We we went through like what he was working on. I thought, okay, this is actually going to be really, really easy. I'm not sure how much more we Like he's fantastic. His intentions are great. All this good stuff. And then what I started to notice, Greg, was that Matt would be late for every meeting. So every meeting, it might be two minutes. It might be 10 minutes. He'd show up late for meetings. And every time he showed up late, he'd always have a, you know, ray of excuses. I'm so busy. I'm, I was running really fast. I'm so tired. Whatever it might be. So I noticed he was late started to notice that he was often like really exhausted by Tuesday morning we would meet. I remember our our meetings used to be Tuesdays at 10 o'clock and I would notice he would be tired when he'd show up for meetings. I noticed that his language was what I think of as really kind of weak, uh, not leadership language. Um, And I can give examples of that if you'd like. And just a couple of other little pieces. And so very long story short, while Matt had all these beautiful skills and credentials and was a really, really awesome guy, there were a couple things that he was compromising his own leadership, integrity, and credibility with. And the core things were uh, his language, his time integrity, um, his impeccability with himself in, in terms of um, getting things done and and really his self-care. And the self-care thing to me uh, is one of the most important things that stands out for me with him. And this is not uncommon. Uh, I can remember he and I talking one Tuesday and he came come in late and was really tired. And, and I said, hey Matt, I'm really curious. Like, what is it? Like, how is it that you're showing up on a Tuesday morning exhausted? And he had also overcommitted. I think I share this in the book. But he'd also overcommitted on a project um, because he had agreed to it when he was tired and not being thoughtful about it. And there was no way he was going to get that project done well. And so he had overcommitted on something. He would not been able to follow through. It had put more pressure on him. It had lost, it had broken trust with the team and on and on and on. You could see the ripple effects. So Matt said, oh, well, on Sundays we have these barbecues and we barbecue, we eat hot dogs and drink a lot of craft beer and it's totally great. And I love getting together with everybody. He's like, but this last Sunday we went really late and we, I didn't get home on time to plan my week, to set my intentions for what was going to happen this week, or to take care of myself with my sleep and setting up my self-care for the week. And so that right there had set a chain reaction where Monday he starts the day, he's already exhausted, he's running behind, he's not getting his training in, he's, you know, overcommitting to things he can't do because he hasn't mapped out his week and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So his lack of intention, energy and presence had a significant impact and that then cost him a lot. And so what we ended up doing was um, looking at that, and the question I asked him was something to the effect of, you know, is that beer and, or that craft beer and that hot dog on Sundays, is that worth this promotion? You know, is the way you're taking care of yourself and having some fun and, and actually abdicating around your time integrity, um, the language that you're using, uh, and your self-care, is abdicating that and actually not being in integrity with yourself, is that worth losing the opportunity for this promotion? And his decision was no, of course. And so then he cleaned it up. So he started to work on his language. He was on time for meetings and he uh, held better boundaries around his self-care. Well, it's a great
1: example of things that you run into quite frequently, I'm sure. And I think it's sometimes just people asking questions and the minor adjustments that they need to make to themselves, which leads me to this question and, you know, we, um, When you look at this, it seems to me like the world is really moving fast, and I think it is. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe, maybe it's perception, but it's also technology, which has sped things up, and I've done lots of interviews with digital anthropologists, so it's really mm-hmm. true. Um, mm-hmm. But for a listening audience, self-nurturing and care is not something that I think people think about until they're reminded mm-hmm. of it. You know, Mm -hmm. so they're reminded of it when something goes wrong with their body, Uh, something happens, they get cancer or they have a heart attack or they do whatever. And then even then at MIT, the studies show that eight out of 10 of the people that have had a heart attack go right back to doing what they did before they had the heart attack. So the reality is it's like, okay, so what kind of wake up call need? But you speak about this. I love that you've included a chapter on self-care and kindness to ourselves. And what advice would you have for listeners about self-nurturing and care? And also this whole theme that plays in the minds of probably 90% of my listeners is I'm not enough. I need to Mm. do more. Um, Nothing Mm. is enough. Um, How would you get them out of that looped cycle?
2: Mm, okay, well, let's hit the, the last one first. That's not enough. I mean, I think an invitation there is to get really curious and to to question that, to really question that. And and if somebody is really devoted to that story, I I like to I like to I like to get curious and ask them for their evidence. Um, and usually, if people really start to dig into the evidence, they find that that's actually not true. So I would I would encourage people to look at where, where is the story coming from that they're not enough. And sometimes that goes back to childhood wounds, sometimes that needs a therapy, like there's, there's, there's so many different directions we can go with that. Um, so get curious about why you're holding the belief that you're not enough. And the second thing is, uh, another direction to go with that is uh, what would be enough? what would enough be? And usually when people play that game and they start to look at, well, I would be enough of this and I would be enough of that. That's not true. Cause even if, if we put them in the spot where they've just done that, where they think they're enough, they're still going to be telling that story. So I, again, an invitation really, that that's one of the greatest things of self-care we can do is really look at those stories that keep us small, hold us back. Um, what is the healing that needs to happen underneath them? Um, so so that's, true. that's one piece. Yeah. Uh, and then the other piece with the self-care. So Oh, I agree with you. We are moving fast. I, I do believe that to be true, and we do have more ways in order to connect, and we seem to be also more isolated, busy, and not as happy as um, as maybe culturally we've been in the past, it seems. Um, so I, I look at it like this. I look at it like uh, I hold self-care as a leadership skill. So when I work with people privately, or even when I'm going to work with the organization and we're looking at, okay, we're going to work on your leadership and your culture. One of the first things we're looking at is what is your self-care practice and how are you guys creating space for that? Because mm-hmm. you cannot lead from burnout and you cannot lead as your best resource. You can't make your best decisions. You don't have your best level of presence or patience or kindness in you if you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. So self-care the invitation is to really start holding self-care. It's, it's a leadership skill, just as important as communication or anything else. Um, one way to really anchor that in for people is to focus on the purpose. Like, what is your purpose? Why are you doing the work that you're doing in the world? Why, why do you provide for your family? Why do you do whatever you do? Like, Get in touch with the intention of why you're doing it and who you're doing it for, and then follow it further through of what is the impact of you not taking care of yourself, because there's no way you can lead at your most powerful and have that impact if you are depleted. So that would be, looking at that. And then I would say, you know, like logistically, have a practice every single day, even if it's five minutes at the beginning of your day, where you ground yourself in your intention for impact, and you ground yourself in your intention for self-care in service of that impact. And then let self-care be easier. Like a lot of times we think that self-care is this big, complex thing. I have to exercise five days a week. I have to eat only, you know, whatever. And I've got to do this. I got to meditate eight hours a day and et cetera, et cetera. Well, no, sometimes self-care is being nice to ourselves, changing our internal language. Sometimes self-care is taking that breath. Sometimes self-care is simply, uh, I literally had this happen in a meeting last week, Sometimes self-care is literally stopping and saying, hey, you know what, we need a bathroom break right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop the meeting because I got to go use the bathroom because so many times people are like, I don't have time to use the bathroom. We're just going to work straight through. That is not good self-care. And oh, by the way, you're not fully resourced if you're distracted because you got to go to the bathroom. Right.
1: so Like that. It's some of the things are so simple, so simple.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Anise, you have really put all of this together in a wonderful book here, Contagious You, um, Unlock the Power to Influence, Lead and Create the Impact You Want. Also the author of Contagious Culture. I'd highly recommend to my listeners to go pick up this book at Amazon. We'll put a link to that. Um, Anise has a beautiful website. Again, we will put a link to her website there as well. Um, There's several YouTube videos out there. We'll put links to some of those as well. So I would encourage all of you to basically go get this book, uh, Mm -hmm. listen to this podcast and enjoy the learning. because, you know, uh, I did one with Whitney Johnson just yesterday or day before. She speaks Mm -hmm. about the S-curve and it's the S-curve of learning. Most of the people out there are continuous learners. And I think if you're jumping from one curve to the next, actually Contagious You is one of those books that'll help you make that leap a lot more easily um, in your learning efforts. So um, I'd highly recommend it for that because a lot of people um, in this day and age, Anise, are trying to move from one S curve to another. They're trying to reinvent mm-hmm. themselves. And this book is a great book for reinventing yourself. Do you have any Mm. kind of final parting words for our listeners who are out there trying to reinvent themselves?
2: Oh gosh. I, uh, well, thank you so much, Greg, for making that connection. I I hadn't thought about that with the S curve and I I love that. I love that what you just surfaced there. Um, I think parting words are simply people listening wherever you're inventing yourself. The moment, the moment that you're aware that you have that desire, this is the moment to start. Uh, I think it, it all really does start with the awareness and then being clear about your intention. Who do you want to become? And in your becoming, what do you need to do in order to take care of yourself to become that person and lead in a way that really makes you feel usefully and positively and beautifully contagious. So it's, it's uh, like you can, you, are becoming is happening at every moment. So who are you going to become?
1: Well, Anise, Namaste, my dear one, you mm-hmm. have a lovely book here. And I appreciate you taking the time to impart your wisdom um, with our listeners.
2: Great. Thank you so much.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Whitney Johnson, the author of a new Harvard Business Review book entitled Build an A-Team, Play to Their Strengths, and Lead Them Up the Learning Curve. Please listen to podcast number 751, where Whitney and Greg discuss the importance of building a team who are excited to continually be learning and propel their careers along the S-curve as she explains it. Better morale and higher performance happen through learning states, Whitney. The best bosses know this, and they know how to make it happen. Please join Whitney and Greg on podcast number 751 for this very engaging and informative podcast about building an A-team. For more information about Whitney and her new book, please visit www.whitneyjohnson.com. Thanks for listening.